Totally Football Show. Today, Man City are liquid football, Palace are a shower, Man United looking cocky with Lukaku, but please don't make a song about that, while Everton needed a weapon and they got one in Nias. Mmm. We round up the weekend around the Premier League and abroad, then look forward to those midweek games. Mission to Moscow as United and Liverpool go rushing off to face Spartak and Seska, and all those other big games like PSG Bayern. We'll also be checking out the old firm and the most rhymable diseases among the many topics that we'll be covering on this Totally Football Show. And joining us today on the Totally Football Show, we've got Rafael Honigstein. Good morning, James. Good morning to you, Rafa. David Priest is returning. Good morning, James Richardson. Nice to see you, David. It's nice to see you too. Good. And this is exciting. Duncan Alexander, out of Opta. <laughs> Hi, James. Hi. Duncan, you've I've emerged been... from the Opta chrysalis into the real world. Right. What kind of building does Opta inhabit? It's not really a building. It's more of a state of mind, really. Ah, I like that. You've managed to crystallise that state of mind into words on a page mm. in the form of a book which yeah. is a bit old-fashioned of you, but it's called Outside the Box, and this isn't it. You take a tip from Duncan for your, your book titles, Rafa. Outside the Box, the statistical journey through the history of football. That's right, yeah. Are there pictures? There are no pictures, sadly, right. but there are some numbers and letters in a <laughs> okay. uh, classic combo. It's very enjoyable, not a dry book by any means. A jocular, very light-hearted read that goes through each season of the Premier League and also looks at the other wider issues in football history, some even predating the birth of football in 1992. That's a, that's a somebody who bought the book writing about that online. Sounds good. They seem pleased with it. What, if, um, if you take a kind of a, a stat or numerical issue regarding each year of football, what's the... What's the what's the stat this year? Is it is it XG? Yeah, XG's the uh, the cool number on the uh, on the block. I don't like XG. Don't you don't like it? No, you're gonna have to try and talk me into that. I'll, I'll persuade you. Do you have a favourite stat, David? Not really. I have a uh, the worst stat. Okay, what's yeah, that? That's the amount of goals that I conceded when I was a player. How many did you concede? Far too many. Okay. Interesting. Not sure that's entirely how stats work, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, Rafa, do you have a favourite stat? I don't, James, no. no. I always used to enjoy that one about uh, Bayern, if they didn't have a keeper, would be in exactly the same league position. Yes. As if they... Slightly spurious. Yeah, well, this yeah. is when Manuel Neuer was doing all his business. They're almost testing that out now, now that Manuel Neuer has gone Yes, Sven Ulreich is trying to uh, rack up his own uh, stats, yeah. Right, and that's going to be an interesting game this week as, as, as Bayern visit Paris Saint-Germain. Today. Hugely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that later on? I think we should. Okay. All right. Because it is an exciting midweek of Champions League action. Champions League, which of course kicked off, Duncan, as I'm sure you're aware, with all sorts of goals, literally loads. Absolutely tons. It was tons. Time, yeah. Mm. And uh, bizarre, because the Premier League sides, while struggling a little bit in the Europa League, had a whopping start in in the Champions League. Football Minute Live says. All English teams to get through to the knockout stages of the Champo Ligo, yes or no? Yes or no, David? Yes. All right, Duncan? I think so, yeah. Really? Rafa? All English teams or yeah. British teams? No, all English. Yes. <laughs> all right. Who do you think's most at risk? Liverpool, probably, not just because the only one didn't win on match day one, just because, you know, you do need to defend in Europe a bit. Right. Well, I think Chelsea, we haven't really seen much yet because the first game was such a 
ridiculous non-contest. And mm. they've got two decent teams, uh, one of which they come up against this week in Atletico. Uh, I still think Spurs, despite the great start, mm. are not out of the woods yet because Dortmund and, and Real Madrid will prove formidable That's opponents. Absolutely. Um, I think they're most in danger of not going through. Right. Let's get to Spurs a little bit later on because there's an eye-catching mission to Moscow for Man United and Liverpool. Uh, both teams victorious this weekend, although by uh, single goal margins. Man United uh, one nil away at Southampton. Uh, while it was a, quite an exciting match there at the King Power, which uh, Liverpool hung on for that three-two. All sorts of excitements, David. Did you enjoy Millier's save penalty? I did. Yes. Um, even though I did think that it, it was a penalty, and a lot of people saying it wasn't a penalty because he got a touch on the ball, mm. but the fact that he didn't fully commit. To mm. the challenge, and to get to winning the ball, because he, he got I me, mean, he got there easily, didn't he? But he, just the fact that he didn't follow through and, and clear the ball, it made it a little bit more of a uh, dicey decision for the referee. And obviously, the resulting penalty he saved, which is one part of a game that he has good at. He is good, isn't but he? he? Five he, of his last eight penalties, he saved. He made a brilliant save just uh, before the first goal, and then um, got all excited to come for a cross and missed it. Right. Which it was, it, I mean, it probably was a foul by Okazaki, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of it, looking at it from a Leicester point of view, that's what he's there to do. He's there to disturb the goalkeeper and uh, impede him. For me, from a goalkeeping point of view, I think he should have had somebody b- between uh, himself and Okazaki. Right. Mignola, simply because it's... It doesn't take much for a goalkeeper. I'm gonna I'm gonna to touch Duncan here. Right. So if you're at a corner, yeah. all I have to do is just touch him like that, and that's yep. enough to to impede you to for come for the ball. So I think you need somebody in between the uh, the goalkeeper and defender, which Liverpool don't have, and they need all the protection they get when they come to set pieces. Right. Well, yeah, that 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 much is apparent. Jurgen Klopp announcing on Saturday night was it that he could write a book in two hours about. Um, so I'm not quite sure what's taking you with your. Klopp, Magnum Opus. But if he's so clear on what the problems are with Liverpool's defending, which is what he said he could write the book about, um, why are we still facing the same issues? Well, I think from Liverpool, and certainly from Klopp's point of view, his defending comes from having the ball in the opposition's half the pitch. Right. But... um, Having but said that, what happens you, on set pieces then? Well, yeah, they, they they haven't got anybody who's sort of domineering or somebody takes responsibility. Mm. I mean, you look at the, uh, the goalkeeping situation, the two centre halves, whoever he chooses, it's down to individual mistakes, right? So you can't coach them out of pe- uh, out of people. Isn't that what coaches are there to do? Probably during the week, they're probably fine, and then when it comes to Saturday, you know, whether it's performance, uh, you know, jitters. Right, but you know you, you can't uh, legislate for Lovren going to kick the ball and it going under his foot. Mm. Are you still, Rafa, very much of the opinion that it's not Jurgen's fault? Um, what ultimately is his fault? Of course, he's in charge. Uh, I don't think I've ever said he's not his fault. The, 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 the thing is, what is the exact problem? Is it really that their system is too gung ho, that he doesn't know how to set up a defence, that there's kind of some fundamental defect in in his coaching? I would say no, no, because. You don't go, I mean, memories are very short, but you don't go the entire season unbeaten against the best five teams in in the league if you don't know how to set up a, a team defensively. He would argue that um, there is something in the way the team control the ball and defend and work against the ball collectively that's not quite working, which then exposes to centre-backs. Uh, but there's always, uh, I agree with David, there's always an individual dimension to this. And I think Mignolet radiates this kind of uncertainty. How come he's so good at penalties, David? 
five of his last eight saves. That's a, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Doug. No, it's that's... eight of 15 overall in the Premier League, wow. which is, he's actually saved as many as Czech, Peter Schmeichel and Courtois combined in the Premier League, which is which I tweeted on Saturday night and then woke up on Sunday to many people saying, are you saying he's better than those goalkeepers? Put together. To, to which the answer is no. I was pointing out a single thing. But right. there, is, there is more to it than just sort of research and, and sort of going through where they've put well, the penalties before. presumably. Well, not just that as well, but it's down to body shape as well. I mean, when you're practising penalties... You need to be thinner or what? No, the the, uh, the takers' body shape. The, the takers' body shape. Oh, right. So it's a split-second moment to, to assess a situation and see the body shape where they might be putting the ball. Right. And, and I think in, in when it comes to practice them in, in training obviously you can go through and watch all the, the show reels of all the penalties that have taken before but also it's good for goalkeepers to to get a, um, uh, one of your own players to sort of replicate the way they take penalties Right. so you just get used to seeing that body shape all the time whether okay. sometimes if they open up because there's a tell is there yeah, exactly. will generally have a, a tell yeah and it's, it's it's a fraction of a second that you've got to, to assess this mm. and most of the time you're not you know it's not a conscious decision alright other things of interest in that game, the fact that Okazaki did one of those goals that James and, and Michael were talking about, uh, Christian G and Sparky, saluting them for that. Oh, and Coutinho back and very much banging, lovely free kick. Leicester off to their worst start to a Premier League season. Should they worry? Duncan, should they worry? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, obviously Shakespeare came in and brought the old team back together last season, but there's always that nagging sense when a caretaker kind of gets promoted mm-hmm. or, you know, a former kind of assistant that they're never quite, you know, it's very rare for a, an assistant to sort of come good in the long term. Right. Um, but, yeah. but they look lively in this one, didn't they? They're, they're creating good chances. I, I, I think their league position is a bit false. To OK. All right, then. Anyway, so Liverpool head off to take on Spartak, who Sasha Gurionov was telling us last week are, are really poor, and that shouldn't be a problem for Liverpool. We shall see. Man United also in the Russian capital, taking on Seska uh, Moscow, Lukaku up against Akin Fief. That'll be interesting. Seska won their opening game in the Champions League, 2-1 away at Benfica. So, the you know, that's a good result. Anyway, how worried should Jose Mourinho be worried after that 1-0 at Southampton? Was the, was the kind of relentless pressure of the second half from Southampton, was that a sign of united vulnerability or just a testament to... Uh, the Red Devils' ability to grind it out and still collect three points, championship winning form, etc., and so on. It was the Sun's fault, was it not? Isn't that the what Mourinho said? No, no, the, the actual Sun. Oh, really? Yeah. Bit of a tradition for United at Southampton. That's the grey kit back of in course. the 90s, so. Yeah. Excuse me. Romelu Lukaku scoring his sixth goal in six matches. Were, were you expecting him to be this good, Duncan? Yeah, I mean, he was scoring at you know a decent rate at Everton last season, and now he's obviously playing with uh, with better players. I mean, I think the only United player to have had a, as good a start in terms of goals in the Premier League era is uh, Louis Sahar. I think Lukaku will surpass him. Mm. The much underrated Louis Sahar. True. Injuries, of course, yeah. David. Injuries. Of course, yeah. what, what could have like been? Like us all. Yeah. Chelsea and Man City both got big wins. Which was more impressive for you, Duncan? Probably Chelsea. I really? Think. Yeah, Stoke? just because doing it away from home is mm-hmm. is good. Although it, you know, the the enduring myth that Stoke's a hard place to go continues, even though it's not true. I mean, they've lost seven of the last eleven at home. They've, you know, only won one of their last eleven against the uh, the big six. Right. The days of of it being a tough place to go are long gone, really. <laughs> Well, according to those numbers, they are, yeah. Only to 82 seconds, indeed, for uh, Morata to puncture, to perforate uh, the Potter's back line. Um, and indeed, uh, dispel some of those 
myths yeah. about Chelsea lacking a really dominant uh, centre forward because he was fantastic. I love the his third goal. Was it the fourth one where Stoke were actually really well set up? And Chelsea were kind of just passing it back, trying to find back and forth, trying to find a way through. And then whoop, over the top goes Fabregas and boom. I thought it was lovely. I think it's, it's worth you mentioning Morata's, the, the overblown criticism that Morata got uh, last week. Because there is, I think, a tendency to read so much into individual performances. You know, he failed to hit the target against Arsenal. Suddenly he's not aggressive enough. He's not good enough. He's not Diego Costa. But he's so many other things. And he's obviously a lot easier to get to get along with mm. and a happier person in the dressing room. So whatever Chelsea have lost, I think they've made more than up for it in, right. in getting him in. The thing Talk. is, with, with Diego Costa though, it, it, and uh, Morata, they're obviously different types of players, but surely Morata's a much more rounded footballer than, than Costa. Much better footballer, yeah. undoubtedly. And, and the fact that you've got Fabregas already there, mm. would, he, would he be in the side if Costa was, was playing? I, I don't know who David did. Well, I'm just thinking... Well, this time, last year he wasn't, was well, he? The, 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 I think um, Fabregas and Morata complement each other perfectly. Lovely. Well, it's certainly working, isn't it? Six goals in six games for Morata. Equally talking about Lukaku stats. Morata with a, a, an also brilliant start and two assists as well there. Um, their trip, though, to the Wanda Metropolitana, that's one of the key games that we'll be looking at this week on the Goal Show on BT Sport, Rafa, don't you think? I think so, James. What and do you I anticipate? hugely interesting yeah, to see... You, do you have that game? Me personally, yeah. Do you, have you been remember. assigned that match? I can't remember. Now. Okay, <laughs> you'll obviously be doing PSG Bayern, will you, or will Jules be doing that? Uh, well, it's a sh- it's a shared. Uh, oh, really? Appointment, yes. Wow. We share that. Okay. Yeah. None uh, of us can be trusted to be impartial. Just do it by ourselves. That's a fascinating. It's too clash. big. It's too big for one man. But this Atletico Madrid Chelsea game, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I would hesitate to try and call that. Would Duncan? Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, I think they're unbeaten in the last nine away games in Spain. They're particularly really? good in Iberia. Yeah, so, well, and also, new stadium can affect teams in different ways, players in different ways. So, Although, although Atletico looked pretty comfortable last week, and indeed uh, uh, this weekend when they beat uh, Sevilla 2 0 there, with uh, Diego Costa watching, actually. So they look quite chunky to me. I don't know if you saw him. He likes his food, doesn't he? Yeah, and who doesn't? I worry about people who don't like their food. Um, Sorry, I didn't mention Andreas Christensen's stats, Duncan. I don't know if you find this interesting. Probably you wrote this and I copied it. He completed more passes than any Chelsea player against Stoke. He obtained 78, completed 75, which is 96.1 accuracy. That's a nice little player to slot in when you've got one of your usual red cards at the back, isn't it? Yeah, pass completion is uh, sort of outmoded, isn't it, really? Is but it? A little bit, oh. yeah. People, people hang on to it as a crutch. Yeah, absolutely. Munchen Gladbach could have done with him and his, his past completion this weekend when they got tonked yes, 6-1 indeed. by by Borussia Dortmund. Well, nobody cares about Christensen, apparently. So uh, what about Man City? Do you care about them? 5-0 against Palace. That's 16 goals scored in the last three games with none conceded. Yeah. Wow. 21. They're on course to score 133 this season, wow. which is, I think, only one team. Peterborough, 19, everyone remembers, obviously, Peterborough, 1960-61. Did they? The glory years of Peterborough. Yeah, yeah. Special times at London Road. Um, yeah, they got 134, but I'm right. obviously City aren't going to score 133. Well, you say that, Duncan, but you know, I think they, all well, bets are off. They've this. already outscored Derby from 2007 08. <laughs> oh, bless. Um, the, the impressive thing about this, I think, was the fact that all five goals came in the final 46 minutes because there was that that tense opening half right up to just before half time, where uh, Crystal Palace were holding out. 
and Guardiola was kicking chairs and and getting upset with ball boys and all that sort of stuff. And Loftus-Cheek had one or two chances. I worry desperately for Crystal Palace. Alan Pardew said after the game he thought that uh, the players were too rigid and they took uh, Roy Hodgson's words to the extreme, to the nth degree. And, and, I, and I can see why they would do that because there have been many times in the past where you worry so much about where you position on the pitch yeah. in, in relation to, to what opposition are doing that you just become ineffective in the game. You right. forget about what you should be doing to affect the game and affect the ball. Benteke going off injured in this, which can't help, or can it? I don't know. But Duncan, you tell me the real story with Palace is their XG. Mm, their XG. All right, you have to goals. really sell this to me. OK, should we, should we talk about what it is first? Because a lot of people just kind of, Get a bit confused. I and, glaze and over. I'm not confused and, and angry, by it. I just, yeah. Um, it's basically it just rates a team the quality of their chance. Obviously, if you get a chance, you know, a few yards out in front of goal, that is a historically a better chance than shooting from from long range, which right. is kind of what everyone you know inherently knows about football anyway. Right. Um, the thing with Palace is obviously the first team in. Well, is that all your explanation on XG? Well, the, so you could basically rate teams or players against the historical average. If I was to watch Match of the Day, I would find XG now on their league table. What do they mean by that? On the match stats at the end of the game, yeah. yeah. So, you know, a team might have won 3-0, mm. but all three of their goals could have been really fortunate in terms of, you know, long long. So their XG or, might have been... Their XG might be low, and the other team might have wasted some really good chances. So they might have had of, an XG of 15. That seems unlikely, but you never oh. know in the modern game. Right. So, um, but you know, it, it should kind of tell you the inverted commas hidden story behind a game. Right. So, um, it works better over longer periods as well, which is where Palace comes into it a bit. I mean, they're the first team in English football history to lose their opening six and not score, which is I'm fairly confident in saying not good. Um, but their XG is actually seventh best in the Premier League this season, so they have been creating. See, that's chances. my problem with XG. If they're XG is seventh in the Premier League, but they are so unremittingly awful. Well, How yeah. much value is XG? Well, here's where the human eye will always come into it. You know, we're never going to be completely replaced by machines, not in this anyway. So um, it could be because they're playing badly, which seems a fair shout. But what, <clears throat> what it does suggest is that they can't keep creating that many good chances and missing them. They, you know, they will, the goals will come eventually. What's XGD? Well, XGD is probably the more relevant figure because that's the difference. Yeah. Oh, I right, mean, they okay. might be really good at creating chances, but, but they also they're probably the worst team in the world. In, in oh, the league. In... All right, are you working this out as we go? I am working this out as we go. Uh, yeah, in in terms, they're they're not that bad. I mean, they're they're not in the relegation zone in, okay. in terms of difference. So XGD. Yeah. I, I didn't think the world was ready for XGD, but we've, when, we've gone when there. Are you going to? Are you doing it like TVs? Like you just you, you let that model sell and then you roll out exactly. the new technology. Exactly. Oh, but what, what Duncan is saying in layman's terms is that they create actually a lot of chances that have gone have been gone right. missing, and they're not as bad as as they look because they look a bit hopeless going yeah. going forward. But in fact, they're not. Yeah, and as David so. said, they, you know, they did look rigid and a bit scared, and especially in the, in the second half on Saturday. But mm. um, obviously, this week City, next week United away, so yeah. they could perhaps will reach October without scoring a goal, which is not good. But yeah. I think you know, there's there's enough there for them to come good, and they're not they're not massively adrift. You know, they're four points outside the relegation zone. Right? Is Ice Cube an XG? Is that that's not how it works, <laughs> is it? Yeah, well, kind of. Mm. He's all, right. all G. XGD. Is he all, all G? Is he all G still? All G. All right. Um, we'll take a we'll take a little break then, uh, because do we need to ask how uh, City, who by the way have Chelsea next weekend, are going to do against Shakhtar? 
Do we need right. to ask? Do we? Are they going to be all right, Rafa? They'll be all right. They'll be all right. Yeah. Shakhtar beat Napoli. Uh, Tyson, excitingly enough, scoring the opening goal in that one in a two-one win, wasn't it? Two or was it three-one? I think Napoli brought them out. There was three-one. They have lost their last four Champions League away games, though. Shakhtar plus captain Dario Surna is out on account of uh, him possibly failing a drug. Test. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, so well that that'll be City who will be hosting Shakhtar uh, this very midweek. We still yet to talk about Spurs and their chances up against Mighty Apple, but let's do that after this. Men and ladies of the Totally Football Show, why waste time going to the shop to buy overpriced quadruple bladed vibrating turbo razors and making the likes of Thierry Henry and Roger Federer even richer by doing so? Instead, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and pick up a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades delivered right to your door for just £4. There are no gimmicks with Cornerstone, just a closer, smoother shave than ever before. And it doesn't just work on your face either. I used it on Jimbo's head before we started recording. Mmm. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see for yourself. And if you don't love your first Cornerstone shave, they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Mmm. Spurs taking on Apple Nicosia. At Apple Nicosia. They just played... West Ham at the London Stadium. You went, David. You I went. Did to the I game. was there? All right. How was it? Have you been to the London Stadium before? No, it was the first time. Uh, what did I you think. make of it? Um, it's not a football stadium. Well, okay, it's not a traditional football stadium. No, but I just didn't enjoy the experience at all. Oh, really? Today. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'd enjoyed it even less if I'd paid for my tickets to go into the game, but yeah, but obviously I didn't. No, it was a it was a good game. West Ham started the game well, ended the uh, the game well. In between, Spurs were better. I think that's a fair assessment. Okay. I went specifically really to see Joe Hart to to take a look at a close look at him. Yeah, naturally we've got a question here. This is Jim who'll be up later on, of course. Uh, Jim Burke who'll be talking about uh, old firm game amongst other things. But asks uh, David Priest, Joe Hart, easy target or busted flush? Did you notice anything new about Joe this time, or the same stuff we said before? Um, one of the things I did notice was, uh, I know he's coming to criticism for his distribution from Pep, obviously, that's mm. when he left Man City, but he's, um, he, he did he did have trouble with his kicking on uh, on Saturday, and he just, I don't know whether he's got a, a problem with his back, but he, he always, lean, when he goes to kick the ball, he leans back off the ball just as he kicks it. And he never he doesn't follow through. So what that means is he probably cuts his kick short about 20, 10, 15 yards. There's a lot of backspin on on the ball. It's too much height, and he, he just scuffed a couple of clearances as well. You know, which was a worry for me. Right, you're just, really not a fan, are you? Do you <sighs> It's nothing personal, but I mean, mm. it's just he's a goalkeeper. I've uh, found it very hard to take to. And when it comes to, I mean, look at the game on Saturday. I can might be overly, overly critical, but for the second Tottenham goal, he came out for the through ball, made the save when probably he probably didn't need to be involved at all. Um, Ali was being shadowed by. But even when he makes the save, you're still criticising him. Well, this is it. I don't think Ali would have gotten the shot off if mm. if he'd stayed in his position in the six-yard box and the defender was just shadowing him and he would have just pushed him wide and then they would have been able to regroup. For the sec- for the third goal, the way he was lined up for the free kick, to me, from where I was sat, he looked too near his near post. Mm. And it give uh, it just looked as if it gave Harry Kane a lot to aim at to his right. Obviously, he ended up hitting the post and the rebound came out to uh, Christian Eriksen. But it's, it, at the very top level, you know, you can see I'm being overcritical, but... 
these are the small details that matter. These are right. the small details, the likes of Buffon, that doesn't happen to. Is the bigger issue at West Ham, though, their manager Slaven Bilic? You mentioned that West Ham did well in the middle, but that was after uh, West Ham made that change, Mikel Antonio going off and, and Carroll coming on. And then they improved at the end because Spurs go down to 10 men with Serge Aurier getting that red card. Yeah, afterwards, he didn't seem that disappointed after the game. And I think that was because there was enough positive aspects of the game for him to cling on to, and that, which meant that he probably holds on to his job a little bit longer. But I think the, the fact that he brought Andy Carroll on totally changed the dynamic of his mm. team and ch- totally changed the way they played. Before then, they, uh, they got um, Arnautovic was breaking through uh, into the space behind the, the back uh, uh, Spurs back line. Um, Chicharito was getting in behind because they had some decent chances and mm. just and last ditch chattels by uh, Aurier, who was up until he didn't get sent off. I thought he did really well, mm. uh, but you can see why. You know, he's he's not being tempted. Oh, the top clubs, I'm real top clubs, I'm being tempted by him. Cause right. There's just obviously something there that's that, that's not right with his temperament. Okay, but there were positives there for West Ham. He, how about Kane? Eh? Mauricio Pochettino says I find it hard to find the words to describe him. I am in love, like the fans are in love, like his teammates are in love. He is so humble. He keeps all the values that managers like me appreciate a lot. That's why I'm in love with him for different reasons. There you go. That's quite a declaration there from Pochettino. Just imagine if Spurs hadn't had Harry Kane coming up through the ranks. I mean, what a huge stroke of luck that is. Yeah, or good, good um, foresight or good work with him well, yeah. to, to bring him through to but develop a, him. But as a manager, it's quite a windfall to have a player like that come through. That you can... Yeah, but uh, I mean, Pochettino, um, to his credit, has backed young players uh, more often and earlier than anyone else in this league. And he's mm. reaping the benefits of his own, you know, some of his own work. What, what's remarkable, I think... Is it Tim Sherwood's work, this? Hmm. Is it? Uh, potentially, partially. What's more remarkable, I think, is that this good run from Spurs comes with a background of Dele Alli probably playing his poorest football I've seen in mm. a long, long time. I mean, he is really totally out of sorts. Although he did actually assist, I think, two goals, didn't he, in this? Yeah, but his overall performance, there is this, this lack of spark... The lack of sort of explosiveness on the ball. He seems um, like somebody who's has a lot of weight on him, metaphorically speaking. He doesn't seem to be really free on the ball. And despite all that, Spurs find ways of winning games and dominating opposition teams. And that's what I find very impressive. I think it was from three, really, sort of Ericsson, Ali. Uh, Kane. So they can just drift out of games all the time and you can just not see them for long periods but when they do get a ball, like for that first goal they, they, like I said they were second best in the game but to that point and then they just break two passes and, the, and it's a goal and I think with uh, with Ali I think it's because he, he kind of thinks he's a centre forward now I think. He, he often found himself beyond Harry Kane and I think he's much better playing from a deep position and going forward into the space in front of him right? because it, simply because he's probably easier to mark if he's right up there uh, up against the back line. Hmm? For me, the disappointment um, for that game was West Ham scoring twice because um, they're in a race with Harry Kane for goals this year. And uh, it's 35 to West Ham, 31 to Kane. Really? So I th- I still, I'm still backing Kane, but it's, it's going to be closer now. Wow. For, for 2017? Yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive. Spurs, you probably think they're going to be OK in Cyprus? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. The other game in that group, <clears throat> Rafa, that's huge. Dortmund taking on Real Madrid. Dortmund two points clear now of the Bundesliga after that thumping 6-1 win over Borussia Mönchengladbach, who who tweeted, this was quite sweet, uh, Gladbach's account tweeted, uh, what did we ever do to you, Dortmund, apart from beat you 12-0 that one time? Is that, is that quite a seismic result? Is that a, 
Is, is that going to send shockwaves through the Bundesliga? Um, shockwaves, no, but Gladbach were seen as the first big real test for the Dortmund team because I think it had been easy in the first few rounds to say, well, they've come up against fairly comfortable, easy opposition and that's why they haven't conceded the goal and that's why they've won all these games apart from that 0-0 draw against Freiburg when they looked a little bit uh, tired. Um, and Gladbach can, of course, score a lot of goals. In a way, the result is a little bit misleading because Gladbach created a lot of chances. and Their XG was high, yeah? Yeah, it was higher than the one, I should think, uh, than they, that they got. And Dortmund looked a little bit more open mm. at the back than one goal conceded in six might suggest. Having said that, their attack and their movement in the final third was just so delicious. And whoever they throw in at the moment... Um, you know, Julian Weigel came back after months uh, of being out. Dahoud has been in and out of the team. Uh, Maxi Philip started again up front. It, it doesn't seem to matter because the system works so beautifully and they create chances all the time. And they are so exciting to watch. And that's why I think the Real Madrid game couldn't have come at a better time. Because right. this Dortmund team, especially at home, who look like they can score goals against absolutely anyone. They did look vulnerable when they... Uh, went to Wembley in, in, on match day one and there were a lot of players absent uh, at the back for them that day. They still have that problem. There's no Master Schmelzer and Mark Bartra might might just about get fit. I, I think it's touch and go with him. But again, this is a this is really a question of, uh, for Peter Bosch, a little bit um, similar to the ones posed at um, Guardiola or Klopp. You know, he says, we defend by cutting out the through ball we defend by pushing up really high we defend by keeping the ball we defend by not exposing our centre-backs in the first place Spurs I think saw them coming a little bit and the execution of their counter-attacks was absolutely phenomenal Um, they scored with almost every single attack uh, that they had at Wembley so they have to they have to be really smart to this and of course Real Madrid um, have one or two decent players up front who can play on the counter-attack and but it, it just sets it up so beautifully, this game. And because Dortmund have lost the first game, they're under real pressure of winning here. I think before the game, sorry, before the, the group started, they thought, OK, we got two draws against Real Madrid uh, last year in the group stage. Mm. Stages, two draws will be fine because we will get more points than Spurs and everybody will beat up well. And now that equation isn't quite as straightforward. So they they really need to win, I think, to, right. to go through. All right, well, I guess we'll see with this. But is it home or away? It's at home. Ooh, yeah, right. that's quite key, I think, because Madrid uh, never won at Dortmund. I think only at Milan and Inter have they they've gone longer without a win. So um, you know, it sets up nicely. Right. What about us, Mark Cole, Christian Pulisic, who's being pushed as a wonderkind in the US, comparing him to Messi and Ronaldo at that age? What are your thoughts on him, Raf? I don't think the comparisons do him any favour. Um, I think it's a little bit too early. But what he does have is is bags of talent. And, uh, and game intelligence and you can see that he develops every single year he gets better he has the best of both worlds that, that youthful kind of fearlessness on the ball he's not afraid to take players on not afraid to make mistakes at the same time you could see that he listens that he does things he was really improved uh, vastly by Thomas Tuchel who did a lot of work with the forwards when it comes to their positioning and running in the final third and I think Peter Bosch um, whether through individual coaching or because the system on the whole works really well is helping him to to reach the next level and Dortmund can only hope that he will continue to be as well advised as he has been up until now by his dad and not make the next jump a little bit too early because at Dortmund he can be a regular 
for the next four or five years and really, I think, grow into a superstar rather than be a bit player uh, at a bigger team or at a team that doesn't really play the kind of football that he that he wants and that, uh, that works best for him. Right, but he should feature in the Real Madrid game. Uh, he might not start because Dortmund have uh, so much quality up front. Even without Marco Royce, who's still injured, um, they have loads of players in these positions. And one player that we haven't mentioned at all in Dortmund is Usman Dembele, who mm. just has not been missed much, um, apart possibly from the game against uh, Spurs. So he will feature in some capacity. Uh, whether he'll start or not, uh, we'll have to see. All right. Uh, talking of exciting Champions League games, Celtic are at Anderlecht, uh, fresh from their old firm game, which was this weekend. Do you know who's uh, who Brendan Rodgers' new technical assistant is at Celtic? Duncan, do you know? Nope. It's Colo Touré. There you go. Colo, famous Colo, for his Colo. Famous for his what? Technique. Okay, yeah. Well, he'll be imparting some of that technique to the youngsters at Celtic now. They got warmed up for the uh, Anderlecht trip uh, with... The clash with Rangers at Ibrox. How did that go? Well, let's hear from our man, Jim Burke. This is a week when the vast majority will have had some idea what has happened beyond the wall. It was, of course, the first old firm derby of a new season, with Rangers going into the game at Ibrox as underdogs, and with the manager, Pedro Cucina, under pressure to deliver, if not a result, then at least a performance that would suggest the gap between the two Glasgow Giants is not as big as results and the 39 points difference last season suggests. The game ended 2-0 to the visitors with goals from Tom Rogic and Lee Griffiths. And while Rangers did show more spirit than the fixture last season, Celtic did give the impression that they were playing well within themselves and with a little bit more composure in front of goal, they could have scored more. Much of the drama occurred off the field, quite literally in the case of manager Kachina, who was felled spectacularly by an enthusiastic Josh Windass challenge that cleaned out the ball and the Rangers manager in his technical area. Kachina was then involved in a half-time confrontation with Scott Brown, who he felt had thrown an elbow at striker Morelos. The Rangers' performance was spirited enough that, the usual Twitter moonhowlers accepted, there was no clamour for a change of manager. But unlike the week before, the other results did little to bring any comfort to the Ibrox men. Aberdeen's victory at Motherwell gave him a six-point advantage and victories for St Johnson and Hibbs left the Glasgow club fifth in the table. Of course, it's Champions League week, with Celtic travelling to Belgium for what is effectively the first leg of the Europa League playoff against Anderlecht, and they'll be in buoyant mood after the derby win. Their hosts, on the other hand, have had a torrid time with a nine-point lead at Bruges at this stage of the season, meaning their manager, Rennie Weiler, got his marching orders. The absolute horsing that Celtic got at the hands of PSG was in many ways expected, and this is arguably the most important game of the campaign for the Parkhead club, with the prize of European football after Christmas up for grabs. Exactly the sort of fixture that will determine how far Brendan Rodgers has genuinely taken the club in his year or so in charge. Lovely stuff there from Jim Burr. In that group is the other massive game, PSG Bayern. I know we touched on, is it Sven Ulreich? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whose antics were instrumental in Bayern throwing away a 2-0 lead against Wolfsburg this weekend at home, Rafa. Yeah. Right. It's a hugely embarrassing uh, result because um, Bayern don't tend to do that sort of stuff. And of course, the fact that Ulreich looked so incredibly bad for the Maximilian Arnold free kick, which he basically palmed into his own net, um, is really worrying because this is not a one-off, potentially, with Manuel Neuer being out at least until January. Yeah. Um, so that that is the, the main takeaway. For once, I think Ancelotti, not the major focus of, of criticism and unease because... 
there were other issues. But even in that 2-2 draw, some of the players coming out and saying we were tactically all over the place, it was very wild, and it sounded like self-criticism, but at the same time, I think it does hint at the bigger issues that this Bayern team With the have, manager. which is a lack of cohesion right. uh, tactically. Okay. But against against Paris Saint-Germain, it's a huge opportunity to um, bring a big bit of uh, good mood back into into the, the camp for Ancelotti to show that he's still a specialist in the right. Champions League. His, his former club, of course, and, and PSG coming to this in not the best of states because this weekend, do you remember all that, that business last week about whether Neymar had asked for Cavani to be sold because he wouldn't let him, let him take penalties and all that kind of thing. Julian was telling us they'd had dinner together so it was all fine now. Well, Neymar was left out of the squad away at Montpellier with what what was officially described as a minor foot injury and they went and they didn't record. I think they had one shot on target in the first half and the game ended up a, a, a goalless draw. So... Yeah, that's been it a was the first time for every year they only had one shot on target. So. In the whole game, was it? Yeah. Wow. And the amazing story in Marca last night, I don't know if you've seen it. I didn't um, see that. That Cavani turned on a one million sweetener uh, that was offered to him if he had been prepared to give up uh, penalties for wow. Neymar. See, that's not a... We said this before, but it's not a relationship. It's a team it's game, isn't it, football? <laughs> yeah, I have a million to let him take the spot kick. I think it was like, is, do you have a million pound, a million euro bonus or something if he reaches thirty goals or something like that? Who Neymar? Yeah, no, yes. um, oh, Cavani. Cavani. So right. they've, they've actually they've, 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 some they've, kind of bonus. yeah, so they've, they've kind of peered it out or offered to peer it out early. Wow! If big, he gives it up, big thing about this game is Cavani and Lewandowski are both trying to emulate uh, the mighty Maron Schumach by scoring in six consecutive Champions League games. So right. Um, one of his finest hours. Yeah, well, that, that's. What do you reckon? PSG Bayern. What do you think, Duncan? I think Bayern lost every game away at Paris. So have they? And, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, but this is going back twenty years. Yeah, obviously, but I mean, I think Paris only lost one of the last forty odd at home in, in Europe. Right. So yeah, I'm going home win. Are you? I mean, okay. As a statistician, mm. do you really pay any notice to historic stats? Not really. I mean, it depends how far back you go. Um, if it's, you know, if it's three or four seasons, it's fair enough, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the worst kind of stats are someone saying, you know, this team hasn't beaten so and so in twenty in, years in, in, when they've been in another in three league. games. But the last time they played was, you know, just before World War One broke. But out. The, I live for things like that. Well, that's where you have to phrase it well. You oh, know. okay. So, I mean, City this weekend, mm. you know, first team to score five or more in consecutive top-flight games since uh, Cliff Richards' first single came out. Ah, really? Yeah. What, Move It? Was it Move It, his first single? I'm not an expert on Cliff Richards, but it was uh, August ni- uh, 1958. So. Was it? We'll get producer Ben to check that. Mm. If you're not, you might not be a Cliff Richards fan, but I think... You're going to be a fan of Move It if you've not heard it before, because it's a great... I like, I like Wired for Sound, but mainly because oh, yeah. the video was in Milton Keynes. So. Right, and he's on roller skates with a Walkman, a yeah. Sony Walkman. Um, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And then just a whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That was great. Oh, sorry, listeners, right. Yeah, so uh, other games <laughs> of interest this midweek... Uh, oh, Monaco. They're now just one point behind PSG in Ligue 1. They thrash Lille 4-0 on Friday with uh, Falcao scoring twice. They're going to be hosting Porto. In that group, the Monaco-Porto uh, group, you've also got Besiktas taking on RB Leipzig, Rafa. Besiktas, dangerous. We kind of dubbed them the big surprises of the, of the opening match day. They won away at, was it Porto? Yeah. 
and uh, they courtesy of uh, our friend Ike Casillas. Yeah, but yeah, but you, they're coming into this in form. Oh no, they're not. They just got beaten two one by Fenerbahce in an incredible Istanbul derby, featuring two goals and three red cards in the final five minutes. How about that? Oh, and Vincent Janssen was on the score sheet again. He scored an 86th minute penalty for Fenerbahce. Uh, Ryan Barbel, who is one of Besiktas's interesting lineup of kind of players that you've you know, seen somewhere else. Seen somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, uh, he pulled one back uh, for Besiktas a, min- a minute later, but to no avail. Two one anyway. It yeah. wasn't the derby. And two one for Leipzig against Frankfurt, which was remarkable. Why, James? Because they did it without Naby Keita? Yes. That's ah, the okay. first Bundesliga game they've ever won when Naby Keita wasn't on the pitch. Oh, you're kidding? No, I'm not kidding. When's he back? Well, he's back in the Champions League yeah, because yeah. he's but been... But he's suspended he domestically. suspended, yes. Right. For okay. a Sadio Mane type challenge. Right. Fittingly enough. Okay. I can also urge you to look out his outfit. Uh, he came to see the game mm-hmm. in... Uh, well, I, I'm reluctant to say in civilian clothes, mm-hmm. um, but sitting in the stands, and it's um, yeah, it's an interesting sight. Is he looking XG? He's looking G. Is full he on G. G. Oh, I've got it here, listeners. It's kind of a well. He's got a red hat like people used to wear on top of the pops in the eighties, and um, I don't know about that jacket. I've never seen anyone wear it's anything like, like that. Circus directorish. Is it? No? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. suppose it could be. I suppose it could be. Anyway, that's Naby Keita. Uh, elsewhere, Napoli are hosting Feyenoord. Uh, Napoli had a 3-2 win, but it was a close-run thing away at Spal at the weekend. Uh, but that's their 11th victory in a row in City, yeah? And a great goal from uh, Gulam. Uh, but the bad news there was that Milik, who's only just come back to kind of regular football from doing his ACL, has now done his other ACL. ACL was- equals no CL. Very nicely Ooh. done there. Yeah. Mm. Nice there is actually a statistically higher danger of doing your second one once you've done your first one. If you one. do one knee, because you favour the other knee in an unnatural I way. I don't know. Or... I think it's it might have to do just with people being more susceptible with it. Um, oh, I see. For it. Um, right. I've done three, so I, I know all about these things. Right. You've got three legs? No, David. <laughs> I haven't got three legs. I've done three ACLs. Right. All on the same leg? And twice on the left, once on the right. How did you do them, Raf? Playing football? Playing football, of course. Of course. Yeah. Trying to play football. Okay, <laughs> we're going to take a quick uh, break and then we'll be back with important news. Tweet us at The Totally Show and find us on Facebook and at thetotallyfootballshow.com. Okay, so how about that? Move It was indeed Cliff Richards' first single. It was originally intended as a B-side, though, Duncan, hence your confusion. That's what threw me, yeah. yeah the original A-side was going to be Schoolboy Crush, but ah. some Mickey Most-esque figure along the way heard the B-side and flipped it, flip-reversed it, if you want, and decided that his B-side action was a little bit more to his tasting, to his taste, rather. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's how it happened. And thus a glorious career was launched. The young ones do. Anyway, uh, Cliff Richard. Harry Webb is his real name. Did you know that? I did know oh, that, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Did you know, Duncan, uh, that we're heading to Birmingham on Wednesday, the 8th of November? Uh, we're going to the Glee Club. Uh, they have a very small stage there, apparently. Tickets are available at glee.co.uk. Uh, and we should have some toll booth jokes and maybe some spaghetti junction humour as well. Um, and, and a musical routine. Is there? 
No, should be, no. Yeah, Public let's League do Club. One. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we can... Are you going to be there? No. Oh. oh, well, then, no. Uh, but the Friday, the 29th of November, we're going to be in London. And not just in London, like, you know, we're in London a lot of the time, but actually doing a live show here. Oh, my word. This is at the busiest venue in Europe, the O2. You know the big thing? Okay, we're in yeah. the Get Indigo. Oh, yeah, we're in the Indigo. <laughs> but it's at the O2. Other acts are at the O2 in November, uh, the Killers. Depeche Mode are playing there. Ooh. Uh, and uh, comedy's Jimmy Carr as well. Ooh, also just in December, Johnny Hates Jazz. Huge, and you can add the Totally Football Show to that lineup, Duncan. If you want to get tickets, theo2.co.uk from this Friday. But we will tweet out a special link just for you, listeners, so you can get ahead of you know the hordes. Uh, 24 hours before, we'll, we'll tweet out that special link, and you can get pre-sale tickets. And we'll also put that on our Facebook page. Uh, that's at the Totally Show on the Facebook. If you're listening, by the way, Depeche Mode, we'll give you tickets to ours if we can go to yours. And that, that goes for you as well, Johnny Hates Chaz. Big, big fan. Uh, Europa League, it's happening again Thursday. Arsenal go to Batty Borisov. They do tractors, and I can't remember much else about them. Rafa? They're uh, number one in Belarus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Anyway, that's what Arsenal doing on Thursday. Them, have, have a thing. Everton go to Apollon. I, I forgot to do research on Apollon. Did Duncan? No, didn't do any on Apollon. What nation are they from? They are Cypriot. Aren't they? Are they Cyprian? Mm. Cypriot. Nicosia again, is it? Yeah. Arsenal playing tonight. Uh, the Emirates against West Brom. Everton, though, have already played and they got a win with goals and everything, uh, which is just as well because Koeman was under a bit of pressure. Um, he was reacting to that pressure on Sunday, was it? David, you were saying? Yeah, I think so. Or, I think it might just be enough for the game. Oh, on Saturday, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he just said, well, if you think it's a bad situation here, you should see me at Valencia. At Valencia. Yeah. And how did he go from at Valencia? Uh, not well. He got sacked, didn't he? Yeah. That's not well. well. Despite you were talking about the lineup he had there. Yeah, I think we had Mata, David Villa, mm. um, David Silva. Yeah. And almost got them relegated. Wow. Impressive. Well, there's one or two people asking whether he's doing the best of jobs at, at Everton. Amongst them, Matthew Hallsworth, who says, has Koeman been wrongly placed on some kind of pedestal? His managerial record isn't anything special. His team lacked pace and cohesion, despite £150 million of outlay. He's put square pegs in round hole, holes, rather. Centre-backs uncomfortable on the ball in a three, too many number tens. And his freezing out of Nias now reeks of poor judgment. Freezing out Nias. There we go. Uh, we did actually, to be fair, in our last show, say that Nias might be the solution to Everton's problems up front. He certainly proved to be that this weekend when, thanks to Rooney's injury, Kuman had to bring him on. And what a difference it made. He did. He's Everton's joint top scorer this season, despite playing only 59 minutes. So wow. Only 59 out of a possible... 1,080 minutes, and yet he's already Everton's top scorer. That's right. He should be unfrozen cryogenically and uh, and put in the first team. Well, you'd think he... Surely Koeman. Surely Koeman must do that now. You'd think so. All right, those are his first Premier League goals for Everton after, uh, after uh, almost 20 months after he joined. You recall Koeman stripped him of his squad number and his locker, I believe, sent him to the reserves, and then he went off to Hull, where, much to everyone's surprise, he turned out to be quite useful and almost kept them up. Are you excited by Nias? Rafa, do try and answer. 
he, they made a song about him at Hull, didn't they, Duncan? They did. Yeah. yeah. Rhythm the, is a dancer. Yeah. Nias the... is the answer. Yeah. He can score from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Cancer's. I mean, that's the one good thing about it. It rhymes really easily. It is one of the most rhymeable diseases. Which right. Is, it has that going for it. Yeah. Uh, of course, da- dancer and, and cancer uh, was a, a rhyme first unveiled by Turbo D out of Germany. Well, he was an American. Wasn't he an American serviceman? Uh, who fronted up Snap, who gave us so much uh, listening pleasure back in the 80s. Were you a fan, Rafa? A young I was man a fan, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember buying the um, the 12-inch at Boy Records in, in Frankfurt. Boy Records in Frankfurt? Yeah, okay. it was the number one place to buy stuff. I wonder what they're doing now, Turbo D and the boys. They're probably still touring, is she? Yeah. Anyway... I got a little bit sidetracked there, but the the point is, is Kuman really a bit of a liability? I think he needs to be given a little bit more chance. Yeah? Yeah. Reserve judgment for another five, six games. They've had a tough start, and then they've got a lot of players to gel together. Yeah, I think you do have to. I mean, it's the age-old, don't judge a league table till 10, 12 games in, but Everton have had a particularly difficult start, so it would be harsh. Mm. Okay. Good. Oh, I remember what it was about batting now. They drew a red star last time. 1-1, 1-1, that was good. And this weekend they had a 6-0 win against FC Sluts. They're a Belarus team. No, Let's no. not do that. Other games in the Premier League from this weekend that we didn't talk about, we'll talk about them after this. Of course, uh, amongst Rap's other stars named D, you had Heavy D in the boys, as producer Ben was just pointing out. Were yeah. you a fan, Rapper? The overweight lovers in the house. There you go. Very much so. Then, 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 Mike D. Mike D. Yeah. In the Beastie Boys, and also Chuck D. Chuck D. Yeah. Chuck D. Bring that Is there noise. Another D. Is there another D? Double D in Steinsky. Yeah. But that's for you know purists. Yeah, while Ralph was thinking about that, let's just touch uh, on one or two of the other fixtures which took place. We don't have to talk about them, especially perhaps in the case of Bernie Huddersfield, which didn't feature a single shot on target in the first half. Duncan, did they have Mm. one in the second half at all? I think there were a couple in the second half. I mean, this kind of goes back to how the start of a season can really define a team. So Mm. Burnley have allowed more shots than any other team. Um, and Huddersfield, who couldn't really keep clean sheets at the end of last season in the Championship, suddenly have you know, kept four out of six in the Premier League. So you know, they're both set up for a good season now. Um, and even if they hit a sticky spell, everyone will be like, wow, they sort of expected that really. Whereas if you start badly like Palace, right. that kind of set. And it is, it, you see it every season where narratives get set. Um, mm. you know, you look at Chelsea a couple of years ago. They won the league. They were brilliant before Christmas, but sort of you know, struggled over the line. And everyone was like, wow, they weren't that good. But they, they arguably were. I wonder if you've got interesting stats about Watford's 2-1 win away at Swansea. For example, the fact that that is now their third away win in a row. Wasn't, well, wasn't yeah. Marco Silva meant to be all about home form? <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, it was, uh, this game was almost specially designed as a, a slight to Ryan Giggs and people that know the Premier League being at Clement versus uh, Marco Silva. I mean, what I think is quite interesting, it's not just about this game, but obviously Watford have won all three of their away games, mm. as have Chelsea, as have City, as have Spurs. And, um, you know, it's the first time ever that four teams have started with three wins uh, away from home at right. the start of the season. So it kind of fits into that narrative of, 
you know, the Premier League's becoming a bit more homogenous, home advantage. You can see it over the past five or six years, it's becoming less and less key as each season passes. But why is that? Because fans make less noise? or Possibly. Um, or also, people's home isn't their home anymore in the case of Spurs? Yeah, again. Um, and also, I think, you know, there's not that much, other than maybe Goodison Park and, you know, you think of stadiums like Loftus Road and Fratton Park when they're in the Premier League, but, you know... They, it's not that fearsome going to a sort of identikit modern stadium. It can right. be anywhere, really. It's also yeah. the styles of football as well. I mean, you know, if, if, if a lot of teams are playing counter-attack football, if you're playing at home and teams are sitting, sitting off you, it takes that advantage away from you, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And it's, I mean, travel is a huge thing. Um, travel? The ease of travel, yeah. Mm. Right. Well, Arsenal have... always fly to Norwich, which I find ecologically... Do they still do that? Well, they won't be this year, but yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, they might do anyway, just for a look around, but yeah. we won't know. They'll keep that secret. Mm-hmm. The the stadium architecture I think plays a key role, especially for goalkeepers. I mean, Jens Lehmann used to say that he found it really difficult playing in the Premier League because you'd rarely have a ground where all the sides had a similar sizes because you know all the stadiums were kind of mm. partly renovated. Some had a, and and as a goalkeeper, apparently you judge the flight of balls relative to the your, height of the stands. Could, yeah, it? yeah, and he found it very very hard to deal with. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Okay. Uh, well, that was unexpected and fascinating. What have you got, Duncan, when I offer you Brighton's 1-0 winner over Newcastle? Mm, not that much. Really? Brighton's first back-to-back home wins in the top flight since the week Channel 4 started, which, um, but then they haven't played in the top flight for ages, so <laughs> no, you know, that's that great. was scraping the barrel. What, I mean, did, um, what was the first programme on Channel 4? Uh, Countdown, which was right it? Yeah. yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Do you know what the first record was on Radio 1? No. I think it was Flowers in the Rain. I think it was. By Richard Whiteley. <laughs> I bet Chris Hewton was, was happy because that's his first win against his former employers at Newcastle. Pasquale Gross would, took the free kick, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, he's an expert. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at Ingolstadt, despite the fact they went down, he had some of the best numbers in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. That's the main reason why they signed him. Mm. That's one gross spend that, you know. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Who is Tom, Tom Hebed, the guy who actually put the ball? Who is he? It's an Israeli. Okay, it's his second goal of the season, says producer Ben, but his first of the year, Rafa. Because of Jewish New Year, yes. There you go. All right. Anyway, hey, enough about all that. Let's hear about the championship, Duncan, and guess who's coming in now? It's only the Totally Football League show's very own Ian McIntosh. How exciting, In This is like one of those crossovers. Yeah, two sitcom families meeting in Miami. There you go. I used to love those, Laverne and Shirley suddenly appearing. Did they? I think so. All right. Uh, anyway, so you're going to talk Football League tomorrow on Tuesday. What's the, uh, what's, what are the big stories you'll be touching on? Well, we've got Justin Edinburgh in, first right. manager to get sacked from the Football League this season, nice. uh, replaced by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank at Northampton, of course. Uh, that is largely dependent on his plane getting back because he went on holiday. Oh, so, did he win? Yeah, he's right. not even back yet. So. All right, so you might be doing a lot of talking could about just be. things like the top three or winning in the championship? Well, yeah, we could definitely talk about that because Leeds won, thanks to the Bjarkowski error. All right. Um, it, the Ipswich goalkeeper dropping the ball over his own line. Oh. It's a little bit embarrassing, but it's That's a 3-2 awful. win for Leeds, so they're back on track. Alfred and Dye scored a injury-time winner for Wolves right. against Barnsley. Mm. And Cardiff beat Sunderland, who are deep in the relegation zone and look really, really bad. Well, yeah, Mickey Williams saying a lot is said about the Spurs-Wembley curse. What about Sunderland, Sunderland and the Stadium of Light? They haven't had a home win since December 2016. It's looking really awful for Simon Grayson, who must be 
rather regretting leaving Preston North End now, given that they're, they're doing all right. Didn't they have the first Sheffield derby in five and a half years this weekend? They did, and it was an absolute corker as well. Uh, 4-2 to Sheffield United, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was at Hillsborough as well. Chris Wilder, is a, uh, the, the United manager, is a Blades fan as well. So he, he was very, very excited about that. Brilliant, all right. Um, yeah, Sheffield United uh, indebted to a fine performance from David Brooks. He's only 20 years old. Ooh, Barely okay. played. He was brilliant. Uh, in West Midlands news, Aston Villa are creeping back up the table. Yeah, back-to-back wins for them. So they might be all right now. They seem to have a little bit of momentum. And mm. there was even a point for Birmingham oh. as well, who'd lost their last six games. Uh, caretaker manager Lee Carsley getting a draw against former Birmingham manager Gary Rowett. At oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all happening. Interesting. All right, well, that's fabulous. There'll be more about that and all sorts of League One and League Two things in Tuesday's Totally Football League show. We'll be talking about Newport as well. Justin Edinburgh used to manage them. They somehow didn't get relegated last season, rescued themselves right at the death, Mm. Um, and they're now on the fringes of the playoffs. So we can have a look at that. We also sent Matt Stanger to Bolton Wanderers. Oh, yeah. Did he come back? Uh, Yes, yes, he did. He saw three absolutely outstanding goals. None of them were Bolton goals, though. All right. I look forward to hearing about all of that in Tuesday's The Totally Football League show. I look forward to telling you. Cheers, Ian. Thank you. Poof. And with that, he was gone. Right. Well, that's coming up on Tuesday. On Thursday, post the Champions League action, we'll be doing our usual roundup of Serie A. We can discuss such uh, interesting things about whether Vincenzo Montella who's in the corner, according to the Gazette's front page today, is, uh, well, how much pressure he's under at Milan. They lost, of course, 2-0 uh, to Sampdoria uh, this weekend. Uh, one of the goals from uh, Sunderland's very own Ricky Alvarez. Huh. <laughs> There's been more confusion with VAR. And we'll also, we might talk about Benevento and whether they're even worse than Crystal Palace. They've lost six games of six. They have scored one goal, but they've conceded 16. I don't know what their XG is. I'm not sure if it's a reached... Italy yet, don't it? It does it exist in Italy, yeah. What do they call it there? XG. Okay. That was a bad accent. No, no, that was actually good. I was just disappointed that they didn't kind of transpose the, the initials yeah. for the... Uh, we'll, also, we'll also have uh, a word or two about Federico Chiesa, who Fiorentina fans are going loopy about. Um, his dad was pretty special, and the goal that uh, Federico scored against Atalanta on Sunday was as well. Uh, but that's on Thursday. Duncan, I feel that probably there were all sorts of statistical nuggets that I rolled past. So obsessed was I uh, with describing what Cliff Richard had on his B-side and that um, back in the day. So were there any things that you wanted to throw at us just before we press stop? I think we touched a little bit on the uh, Harry kane Deli Alley combo. Um, fact: Eleven of his seventeen assists in the Premier League have been for Kane. So they're right. kind of, you know, there is that argument, and this is where you know, an stat like an assist could possibly be misused because mm. you are very reliant on another player. I remember hearing players, uh, Danny Murphy, say once that he could put a bad ball through for Michael Owen and he'd make it a goal because you know, at his peak, he was very fast and could finish difficult chances. Um, and you know, Ali's had very good numbers, but you know, clearly isn't playing that well at the moment, and whether. You know, he's got kind of a muse in, in Kane. And right, that's... and maybe that Kane, whose numbers haven't been quite as exceptional of late, maybe that's why um, people are seeing Deli Alley in a different light, because, you know, if you like, Kane's feet aren't turning his base metals into gold any, anymore. Excellent. Well, Duncan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank what you. are you going to be doing for the rest of the week? Are you Champions Leaguing it? Yeah, big, big week of Champions League, and then a slightly less big week of Europa League. Right. And then it's back into the Premier League. Right, it's, it's just non-stop, isn't it? Mm. Stats. 
They're yeah. like sharks. They never sleep. They all stop moving. They do stop moving. They don't move at all. Stats, they yeah. don't move. No. That's the beauty of them. They're cold, <laughs> hard, empirical. None of that makes any sense. Well, just know how to read it. Uh, that really is it then for this edition of the Totally Football Show. Many thanks to uh, David Duncan and Rafa. If anybody wants to follow you on Twitter, how would they do so, David? At David Priest Twelve. Okay, Rafa. At Honigstein. And Duncan. At Oily Sailor. Oily Sailor. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll be back on Thursday for more fun and games. Have yourselves a great time till then. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and tweet us at The Totally Show.